You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. This is Brady Hoke. And if I know one thing, it's bad college football. That's why I'm here to tell you about the Shutdown Fullcast, a college football podcast so bad that it's mostly not even about football. Every Wednesday, you can listen to Spencer Hall, Jason Kirk, and Ryan Nanny ramble about grocery stores, John Gruden's secrets to everlasting wealth, and unsolved murders. The Shutdown Fullcast. We're very sorry. Hi, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Ben Epstein, joined as always by Mike Prada. And today we welcomed on Adam Mares. Again, he's the... He's the man on the ground in Denver. He works for the Denver Stiffs here in SB Nation community, and and he really is one of the most knowledgeable NBA guys all around, but just so happens to be the Nuggets guy for us. So we really appreciated Adam Morris coming on, and it was a very fun podcast. Um, Again, this was a good team. We haven't done a lot of those yet, as we've been doing all lottery teams, so this was optimistic. We have a prediction for playoffs, and ultimately they have one of the most fun and unique players in the NBA that's, his name's Jokic, but it's spelled with a J. So look him up if you haven't heard of him. And if you have, it's because you follow the game and you know he's awesome. So with that in mind, right before you listen to this, go to iTunes. You can always find this podcast because it's part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's an Apple podcast. It's in Spotify, SBNation.com backslash NBA. That's on platform. And we ask you to subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. We love the feedback. We love getting questions. It's great. You can always send us those questions to Twitter. That's at Mike Prada SBN, at limited underscore upside, and at EpiBen. We get to the questions throughout, helps us move it along, and ultimately, it makes this a better podcast. So keep sending those, keep giving us those ratings, the reviews. We ultimately love them, and we always appreciate you guys uh, sending those those to us uh, and, and providing us with those. So sit back and enjoy this Denver Nuggets edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. Welcome back, Limited Upside Podcast, number 13 of 30, with the team that was a league pass darling at the end of last year and now has high expectations, the Denver Nuggets. And we have one of our old favorite guests coming on the line, Adam Mars from Denver Stiffs, the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Adam, the mood of the fan base right now, I assume, is much more positive than some of the recent teams that we've done. Yeah, it is. I think this is I, I the way I put it is I'm a little concerned at how optimistic I personally am for this season because I'm kind of a pessimist by nature. And I, the more I go over things, the more I think I think this is going to be a fun year, uh, playoff year. So, yeah, I think the I think the outlook or I think the uh, fan base right now is pretty positive. That means that there'll be people in the stands next year, too, because I, I needed to hit on this right away, man. <laughs> All right, fine. We'll get this I'll just want to get this out of the way. This was the 30th-ranked team in attendance last year, but had one of, as Mike said, one of the most interesting and fun teams to watch with like no shortage of young players that you want to kind of see advance in their careers. It's like the perfect team to get behind. I feel like last year should have been a get-behind season so that it would be packed this year. Um do you foresee this being a huge jump from like 30th to like 15th, 10th, something in that range? Do you think that the fan base <laughs> no. will be there? No, I don't think it's going to be. It's going to be a huge jump from like 30th to 25th, I think. <laughs> yeah. It will be like a great thing. Um, I do think last year I was surprised there were certain games, especially towards the end of the year, where the fan base really turned out. So I think 
I think this year will be noticeably improved, mm. but it's still Denver. It's still the Bronco City. And then you know what the the Nugget or with the NBA season starting two weeks early, I looked it up. The Nug the Broncos will only be five games into their season by the time the Uh-oh. the Nuggets yeah, begin. That's a problem. I mean, there's yeah, it's a problem because basically the Bronco game will have, or Bronco season will just started. So I'm very curious to see. I think it'll be a slow start. But I do think the fans will come back, especially because the Nuggets' easiest part of their schedule is the month of November. I think there's a good chance they come out of you know the first six weeks of the season higher in the standings than they belong, maybe like the third or fourth best record in the West, mm-hmm. um, but just because their, their schedule is so soft. There's a legit chance the Rockies could still be playing when the season starts. I mean, that would be something. <laughs> we can all- yeah. It would be something. I think <laughs> it's funny because, like I said, it's a Broncos town. The yeah. Broncos, I think, would project to be kind of down relative to their, sure. you know, to how they usually are. And then, yeah, the Rockies and Nuggets both had a lot of excitement. <laughs> so if ever there was a chance to steal some thunder, it's this year. <laughs> but I'm not too optimistic for that. We'll how, see. How good are the ads? I honestly have no, I, I think, <laughs> no. Actually, I do know. They're horrible. They're like the worst team. Ah, so are they of, like of the, the, s- the Sixers of the NHL? Yeah, with I mean, without the process and all, they've tried their best. They brought back Patrick <laughs> Waugh to be the homegrown guy. And now, homegrown, okay, now we've too much hockey talk. Okay, I, see, Mike, done. Mike steps onto my turf, which is other sports <laughs> outside of basketball, and then quickly pivots to yeah. get away. So I don't understand. <laughs> A lot of towns have football teams that that are the big deal, but like they can pay attention to other teams in town. Like, why can't the people pay attention to the Nuggets? I don't get it. I think the the simple answer, and I've I've said this for a long time, and and a lot of people get upset with me about it, but I think Denver is a bit of a front running city, and and it's, you know, there's a mixture. There's the Denver was a city that's grown tremendously over the last twenty years. Um, the lot of the people that are just Denver originals, you know, natives, they are Broncos fans through and through because they grew up in the Elway era, and and the Nuggets or Broncos made the playoffs every single year for twenty years. Um, so I think that's why they have such a big fan base, but it has kind of become cool to hate the Nuggets and, and Rockies and, and they've just been what? not even the lovable losers. Yeah, it's it's a, I'm telling you, it's a really weird thing. Um, there's a radio station in town, the biggest sports radio station in town that very proudly talks about how they only talk about the Broncos. I mean, that's kind of their stick is Broncos 24 seven. So I think it's just it's become a thing now. And, and I think it's going to be tough to. To, to kind of change the uh, the feeling here in Denver. But if anybody can do it, it'll be Nikola Jokic. I'm kind of optimistic <laughs> that this is kind of the beginning of a, of a very uh, – of a turning of the tide for people kind of getting interested in this team. Sure. You were the first – you were, I would say, the earliest Nikola Jokic adopter uh, uh, that I can think of. You were talking about him his first summer league. When everyone yeah. was talking about Moutier, you were talking about Nick Jokic. So I'm going to give you a good few minutes to gloat and tell everyone why they were wrong <laughs> and why all of us all of us like me who were a little slow until they kind of saw what he did last year what um what happened and now you get to say like I was first I was the angel investor in Nikola Jokic stuff <laughs> Well, I, I will say that my answer to this is going to be even more annoying than you would think. Yes, that please be in. annoying. <laughs> so, my answer is that, you know, I played the small, small level college basketball and I've always played basketball and I played a very similar style to Jokic. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm I'm the version of him for rec leagues. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I play, you know, for, uh, for D3 basketball, I was the D3 Nikola Jokic. That's like, I was a that's guy like that Prada pa- for Ron Artest. What? <laughs> <laughs> But I always I was going to say like what John Hop played Williams, like someone who's like really out of shape. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, sorry. go ahead. I'm sorry. Wow. Um, no, <laughs> but I, I've always thought that like passing centers 
we're so undervalued and uh, and any center that can kind of like play that has well-rounded skills is really valuable and i think traditionally people have always thought you know there's certain things you have to be great at if you're a center like posting up or you know just these traditional center skills well Jokic, the first time i saw him i thought this is one of the best passing centers i've ever seen for his age i think he was 19 at summer league and just throwing these incredible passes that now have come become so common and then he had incredible touch he had good footwork but he just wasn't an athlete. He had a good shot, and he just had a super high IQ. I think watching him, even in summer league, where the balls, the basketball is the style of play is really sloppy, you could just see that he saw he was just a smart player. So I didn't think he was going to blow up to be this good, and I'm super high on him still. I'm still higher on him than I think most people are. But I think uh, I did say I did look at him and say like his basketball IQ alone is enough to make him one of the top prospects in that draft. And it's going to, whether he's athletic or not, I thought it would hinder him more than it has. But I thought he still has this baseline of skill that's going to be super useful in the NBA. Yeah, it's just been fun, like, watching him develop and seeing, you know, I did that video on him last year. And there's we showed it around to a lot of people who are not big NBA fans. And they were immediately falling in love with just, like, the way the guy plays and his style of play. And, you know, I... I I thought he was interesting, and I didn't really know exactly how good he was. I was, but now I'm very much on the he's so much better than Porzingis debate um, that I've kind of <laughs> right. flipped on. Yeah, that was a really good hypothetical or one to one last year that was going around. That that beginning of the season was oh Porzingis, of course, and then as the season slowly progressed, yeah. it became a, well, of course it's Jokic, and now we'll see. You know, we'll see what type it's of moves Porzingis makes this it's, season. But it's yeah, Jokic. it's Jokic right now for sure. And I would say probably for the future because he's younger now. Here's the other thing I'm kind of curious about. I was like, what did, took Denver so long to realize that this dude was like needed to be their guy? And because if you think about it, right, they threw away about a, a month and a half last year trying the Jokic Nurkic combo and then benching Jokic. Right. And then after yeah. they finally stopped that, they were, if you had taken their record over the whole year, they would have been a playoff team. I believe they would have had the second best offense in the league over that stretch, maybe the best. Right. Why did it take so long for Denver to figure that out? And I always get the kickback of like, oh, you can't say that because, you know, they weren't the best offense. But this was four months. It wasn't when you say that it's not like they had a hot six week stretch. They had a four month stretch that was really consistent offensively. But the question is interesting. And this is why Nuggets fans really, really, really hate Yusef Nurkic. And I think he's the most hated player the Nuggets have had in a really long time. I don't know when the last time there was a player that 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 Nuggets fans have hated this much. And it's because. You know, Nurkic is a phenomenal player. We all see that. <clears throat> I think it was always doomed that the two weren't going to work out. Um, but he was the one that I think, from my perspective, really made things difficult and uncomfortable for the coaching staff in the front office because he he did not seem willing to make it work. He always felt he was better than Jokic. When the two weren't working on the court, you know, all we know, the only facts to come out were that Jokic volunteered to go to the bench because there was so much dysfunction. And that what that tells me is that there was players that would not go to the bench who probably were asked to, and they, they made a, a big fuss. So Jokic said, you know what? It's fine. I'll go to the bench. That still didn't appease. Obviously, the Nuggets were terrible when Jokic wasn't on the floor and when Nurkic was on the floor. And so eventually they made the, tri- the, the swap, and Jokic started, and... And, you know, Nurkic kind of just completely quit at that point, gained a bunch of weight and the rest is history. But so I think what happened with the team to answer your question, I think 
they were trying to balance these two very promising young prospects that both played the same position, and there were some egos and personalities, conf- you know, that that were making things a little bit difficult on them. They tried to appease everyone. It ended up blowing up in their face, and in basically every way possible. And, and it came back to haunt them. Yeah, we we had talked a lot about this on last year's preview we did, Adam, which was you know the the depth at certain positions, which usually is a strength to have you know options, but ultimately the redundancy was going to create competition that was going to lead to something like this, and it obviously played out almost to script. One of them had to go. Right. right? Um, so with, with that in mind, it feels like a lot of the moves, and I want to get into the the love trade that didn't happen. This is one of the things that Mike finds most fascinating about this past offseason, and it is. It's it's truly one of the great NBA what-ifs already. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the idea of building this team around Jokic's skill set because it seems like that's been the entire play, right? And they brought in Correct. some interesting new players. Um, I mean, look, Trey Lyles, uh, um, Paul Millsap, Paul Millsap you know, right? The idea they kept Gary Harris, they were, you know, had, had thought about letting him go or trading him as one of the key pieces. So it seems like all the moves were made with the idea here that this is Jokic's team. Obviously, you know, he's what, 22, right? We just mm-hmm. said, yeah. So that's a lot of pressure on a young guy. But talk, talk through, um, and I guess, Mike, real quickly, set up the hypothetical trade that did not happen, that was very close. And then. And then, Adam, talk me through how you feel like this team now comprised works with Jokic's skill set moving forward. Well, so the trade that didn't happen, if I got this right, was the three-way with Cleveland, Indiana. In Indiana, that would have sent Kevin Love to Denver and Gary Harris and other pieces to Indiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, Paul George to Cleveland. And it sounds (laughs) like the Nuggets were motivated to do that, right? I mean, the Nuggets weren't the ones that put the plug on that. Correct. There's sort of... Because I think of what we talked about, and you can tell me if any of this is off, there's a sense that Denver needs to have sort of a marquee f- player, you know, whether right. they fit or not, because of the issue with kind of capturing a fan base. Um, so that was a trade that was there for them. And I think it would have made them worse than they currently are, which is then they didn't do that. They still have Harris, and now they have Paul Millsap, who on a really good contract, yep. two years and a team option, you know. And I, I think Paul Mills has game slipped last year, but I also think he was kind of dealing with knee issues, and he slots in really well with what they need, and it's a good contract. Yeah, and the writing and was keep, on the wall in Atlanta, too. Right, and they keep Harris. Yep. So it kind of feels like they, they dodged a bullet there. You know, why? what is it about that Kevin Love trade that they were so into? Um, and do you think do you agree with me that they kind of dodged a bullet? Well, I do agree with you that I think the team is better off now. And not because I think Paul Millsap is, you know, I think he's better for this team. Um, But more importantly, they kept Gary Harris, who I think is just the perfect complement to Jokic. You know, everybody talks about that December 15th date. You alluded to it when Jokic became the starter. And then for four months, they had the best offense in the NBA. December 15th was also the day that Gary Harris came back to the lineup. He was out for injury for the first two months. So I don't. I think that's like 80% Jokic, but I think that that Gary Harris also is the perfect sort of running mate to him. Kevin Love would have made their offense really fun. He's a guy that can shoot as well as him would have just gotten so many wide open shots and opened so many things up for Denver offensively. But at a certain point, how much better can your offense get? Not much better. (laughs) Not much better. He's already the best. Yeah, and he certainly would have hurt their defense or or not help their defense. Um, so I think I think they did dodge a bullet. But I think to go the, the first part of your question was why do they do it? And you know, it's just because the draft happens before free agency. And Denver has uh, Paul Millsap is probably the greatest free agent signing the Nuggets have had in thirty years. And I think and, and Antonio McDice maybe. I mean, you have to go through him, Kenyon Martin, and and. And Paul Millsap, all of them, I think you could kind of put in the same right, category. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
And so I think they were looking at it and saying, would Paul Millsap sign with us? I sure hope so. But at the time, there was a handful of teams out there that were interested, Minnesota, Phoenix. So you kind of have to take the first good option available, not necessarily the best one. And that's why they went after Kevin Love. Tell me a little bit more about how this team plays out now. I mean, look, there's still a lot of depth at power forward, plenty of guys who could play point guard on this team. Um, you know, Less guys were going to be your shooting guards. Looks like that's Gary Harris's spot. Will Barton's still there. But let me know a little bit about what you think the rotation looks like now with, uh, with kind of a more cemented 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, less redundancy as maybe last year's uh, roster had. I think four positions are pretty much a, a lock at the moment, and that's yeah. Gary Harris at the 2, Wilson Chandler at the 3, Millsap and Jokic in the front court. The the starting point guard I think is Jamal Harris or Jamal Murray's you know spot to lose. Mm-hmm. It, I think everybody wants to see how he looks. He was playing through a sports hernia last year. The guys the guys tough as nails. Um, I think I think it's underrated the the you know sort of his mental toughness. He's a hockey <laughs> player. Kind of you know, he's Canadian. No, okay. no he's Canadian. <laughs> but how, no, how's that for stereotyping? <laughs> <laughs> no, but if, if you want to know the truth, it's funny because his backstory is very interesting. So I'll tell it. His dad's a huge Bruce Lee kung fu fan. Huh. Uh, he he forced his son, and now his son is very into meditation, and he meditates after every workout and practice for a you know a certain amount of time. Huh. And he used to make him do push-ups in the snow uh, up in Canada. Huh. That's a stereotype. Stereotype right there. <laughs> it was all this like, Back on the pond. Mental tough, yeah. yeah, mental toughness thing. And I think I think that's Jamal Murray. The fact that he played all 82 games last year despite having a sports hernia is I think that's a kind of a cool story for him. So yeah. I think it's his spot to lose. Um and I think I don't think that he's ready to play the starting point guard. It'll be a, it'll certainly be a, a tough thing for him. Now you talk about the rotation. This is one of the most interesting questions for the Nuggets next year. Emmanuel Moody was actually really, really, really good next to Nikola Jokic. And I know everybody on the team was, but, but Moody in particular w- took, t- took the Nuggets to a whole other level when playing with Jokic. And my opinion on this is that, you know, he's a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter than I think people realize. He's, he's like 37%, I believe, on catch-and-shoot three, so he's, he's adequate. And then he's a really good cutter, really good slasher, really good at getting into the paint when there's space. Well, who opens up the paint more than Nikola Jokic? I mean, he... he the pain is wide open when he's on the floor. So those two really had it played really well together. The flip side is Moutier was horrible with just about anyone else. <laughs> so now if you start Jamal Murray, that means Moutier is not going to be playing at least a lot of minutes alongside Jokic. And I do wonder about, you know, does that set him up for failure if he's the backup point guard? And, and does that mean Jameer Nelson will probably pass him up? Because Jameer Nelson is much more equipped to play with you know, second string players and be more of a spot up and, and, and facilitator type guy. So that'll be the, the backup point guard position, I think, will be one of one of the more interesting ones. That answers Counting Baskets question on Twitter about who starts at point guard. You think it'll be Murray, but it should be Moutier. I'll, I'll frame this question in a little bit of a different way. I mean, you sort of answered this, but I'm kind of curious. So, you know, Moutier sort of fell out of their plans at different points last year. You seem to think they have not put him in a good position to succeed. You know, what Murray is probably ahead of him right now in the pecking order, you know, for sure. Right. But you, who do you want – if you had to pick one of those two to work out between Murray and Moutier, who do you want to see work out if you had to choose? Well, I want to backtrack a bit to say I don't think Moutier should start. I, I, I'm only okay. making the point that, yeah. that he is better you – know, that. It, it's almost like you get better returns at swapping them that way. But Murray's the better player, so he deserves to be the guy that they invest in, in my opinion. Um, I really like Moutier's game. There's parts of his game I really like and parts I just really, really, really hate. 
Um, I think at this point, Jamal Murray is the more exciting player. Um, just he's he's got that J.R. Smith shot that you, you, we saw it in the rookie sophomore game where he made like six in a row and finished with like nine or ten threes. He's got that in him where sometimes he just gets hot and starts making threes and he can't miss. And that's an exciting thing. I think having a guy like that on the team, you know, a Clay Thompson type that can just start making shots. I'm not saying he'll be as good, but just that that type of shooter would be more fun. So I'd lean towards Murray. But I like Moutier. I'm rooting for him. But it's been two years. The Nuggets have given him. You say they didn't put him in the best position. I've written about this. They certainly have done things that I thought were were destined to fail. They played a lot of minutes with Moutier, Fareed, and Nurkic together. That's a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. So I do think he's better than what he's shown. But at the same time, they've given him so many other chances, despite lineups like that. They've given him good opportunities that he hasn't made the most of. So I'm, I'm rooting for both of those guys, but I think Jamal Murray would be the guy if I had to pick one that, that succeeds. Yeah, Murray has... Um Murray has like a sensibility with the ball, like that, and this might be the wrong comp, but he has similar agility, left, right kind of shakes, and again, the ability to pull up anywhere. He has hints of Kyrie sometimes when I watch. It's different. Yes. It's not as explosive uh, in a quickness sense. It's it's not the same at and around the basket, but it's not far away. Like he's really good with the spins, the various English and body control, um, and I would love to see that kind of play out more with a full season. I also think it complements Gary Harris really well. Who's a Obviously, an exceptional on-ball defender too. Well, the um, other thing too is if, if Jokic is the point guard, basically. Yeah, that's right. right? That's right. So, and it's Chris Webber theory, right? Yeah. So you don't necessarily need Moutier's ability to kind of pound the rock. I mean, you would basically surround him with four guys who can play off Jokic. I mean, mm-hmm. Jokic brings the ball up. Like Jokic yeah. is at the top right. of the key. They run that high post offense and all those splits and stuff. He's the point guard, so it's just a beautiful potential mix there. So, I think. I mean, they almost traded Moutier. Was there like any legs to that Eric Bledsoe rumor? I believe so. Uh, I think there was. Th- that trade, the Jimmy Butler one and the Kevin Love one, were the three that uh, I think the Nuggets were that, – that became public that the Nuggets were very aggressive on. The Tim Conley had said going into the summer they were going to be incredibly aggressive in the trade market. I think that – I'm not surprised by any of these trade rumors. And I think just talking about what we've talked about, they have three point guards, none of which I think are starting caliber, but all of which are are kind of close. And that's a bad recipe. So I think getting somebody like Bledsoe would have been made things a lot easier, especially if it would have lost a player like Moutier, because then you have a clear pecking order, Bledsoe and then Murray. So I think that was true. And I think the Nuggets probably would have liked that one to have gone through. Yeah, I mean, just because they're now accelerated their timetable. The, the Jokic is so much better than they thought. They've got Millsap. I guess they didn't have Millsap at the time. So they almost don't have time for you know Moutier to figure it out. Um, it does sound like this is a question we got from Bo Schwartz Madsen, our longtime listener. It does sound like, you know, he asked, you know, do you think Denver will be active in looking for trades? You know, they still have a lot of interesting players on the roster that they need to work out. They don't have Gallo anymore. They still have Chandler, who I think is kind of their only three right now, right? They still have Barton, who's right. in the last year of his contract, obviously Moutier, and they have about 700 power forwards <laughs> on the roster between Farid, who's still somehow there. Do you expect them to make another trade, and what could they possibly get to bounce their roster? Well, this is funny because I listened to our podcast last summer, um, and I all but guaranteed that Kenneth Freed would not be on the roster still at this <laughs> point. So, uh, so wrong about that. I think you look at the guys that 
are, are the most valuable to trade and also make the most sense is Wilson Chandler, Will Barton, Kenneth Freed. Um, Barton's an expiring deal, and I don't think the Nuggets are going to be able to re-sign him next year. Same goes for Wilson Chandler. Um, the problem is Wilson Chandler is the only small forward. If you if you lost Wilson and didn't get back a player to replace him in the lineup, then you know who starts at, at small forward? Juancho Hernan Gomez, a guy that I think is a power forward and also only a second year player. Um, you know that 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 just ups your risk and and your vari- variance quite a bit. Um, Kenneth Freed, I do. I know I've said this now, and Nuggets fans have said this for like three years. I do expect Kenneth Freed to be traded sometime very, very, very soon, even possibly before training camp. It just doesn't make sense to have him on the roster. There's six power forwards on the roster. He plays really, really, really well with Jokic, but just like Moutier, I don't think he's going to get as many minutes with Jokic to make to warrant keeping him on the roster because he's going to be coming off the bench. So. I just don't – it doesn't make sense to me that he would still be on this roster by training camp. It certainly doesn't make sense for him to be on the roster past, you know, December 15th or 18th, whenever it is that, that you know, all the trades begin to happen well, again. Here's here's the problem for you to trade and someone else has to want him. That's usually how it works. Um, that's the issue. And also I'm sensing a trend where you said, oh, this guy's really good with Jokic and really bad with everyone else. It sounds like pretty much everybody on the roster. So I don't it know if true. that's like a feather what, in his cap. What are, what are your expectations with that in mind for, for Trey Lyles and, and Mason Plumley getting the opportunity well, to we'll like – We'll see about Mason Plumley yeah, this well, whole free guess, agency situation. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, then take us through the Mason Plumley free agency situation as it currently stands. I'm always interested in outside perspectives on this because having watched Mason now for, you know, six weeks of Nuggets basketball, whatever it was after the trade deadline, he is an incredibly like polarizing player and incredibly skilled at some things and limited at others in a way that I just don't think he's that valuable, quite (laughs) frankly. And you look at the market, obviously he didn't get any offer so far. You look at the center market next year now, especially with Nerland's Noel, you know, signing the qualifying offer. There's a lot of centers next year that are ahead of Mason Plumlee in the pecking order. I don't think it makes sense for him to sign a qualifying offer and try his hand next year. And I don't think he's going to get a big deal. So I, I suspect this will resolve itself with a pretty f- team favorable deal for Denver. But, um, you know, there's always a chance he doesn't see it that way, signs a qualifying offer and tries his hat next year. I think Nuggets fans are, or I think Nug- the Nuggets front office is probably okay either way. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is a question that Courtney Kennedy asked us, and I kind of agree. Like, can Paul Millsap play backup center? Like, how much do you yes. really need Plumley? Yeah. I know, like, the idea was what he was supposed to be, like, the facsimile of Jokic to allow them to play their style. But right. if. I just don't know if that's like a super necessary thing. Like it really wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Nuggets if he took the qualifying offer. So he was still around for a year. And yeah. then as costs start to really rise, then maybe you don't have to worry about him. I uh, That's one of the more fascinating questions to me this year. And quite frankly, I don't know Millsap's um, history at the center spot well enough to say. But we talked about a little one bit of the in Atlanta. Is- a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that Bud was kind of reluctant to let him do it. And I think the Nuggets will be just for, like, you know, they don't want to injure him early in the season, a guy that's a little bit longer in the tooth. So, But you think about it, one of the problems I said the Nuggets had was too many power forwards and Moutier doesn't pair well unless there's lots of spacing. Well, one way to create spacing is to move Millsap to the center spot. And I think that could you could move Wilson, who's... I think better as a power for as a stretch four when he's able to play that that role than most. Um, I think there's some. I think there's a lot of interesting lineups that would be solved if if Millsap can slide and play the center spot. But he's older. 
every player tells you that playing the center spot, moving down to play the center spot is really a tough toll on the body. So we'll see what the Nuggets do with that. Yeah. He's also got injury issues. And, of course, the other problem the Nuggets have is that there's no spare wings to slide up. I guess you would play really small. Uh, maybe put Barton in the game. But Barton's small for a three. And Juancho Hernan Gomez can play the three, four, and and you know his problem is the defensive end. But I think when you go small like that, Wilson can guard the tougher of the two on the other side of the court. Um, him and Gallo kind of did that last year, where they're both playing power forward, so to speak, or both playing like stretch fours. I think the Nuggets can do something like that and have really interesting lineups. Yeah, Trey Lyles is six ten, something. I like doubt that. he's going to play much. Yeah, you don't think he gets minutes? I think he's There's- an interesting player still. See, I do think he's going to play a lot. Why do, why do you? Because again, I'm I'm counting Kenneth Freed as not on the roster. But. Well, you still have Arthur. You still have this, the Millsap who's going to play a lot of minutes. You, I presume Plumlee will be on the team one way or another. Right. So obviously, Jokic, you know, you got to get him more minutes. I think we'll see if he holds up, but you got to yeah. get more minutes. You want to slide up um, Chandler and play Hernan Gomez. Who, by the way, Leon Leon T asked us about Hernan Gomez. I think you've answered his questions. Um, so thank you for the question there. Like, it's just where's what – and Lyles had such a bad year last year. I'm just not sure exactly what the role is going to be. I guess there are injuries, and it's a long year, but – It's a completely different team now. I mean, he, he went from a polar opposite team, Utah, to Denver in a lot of ways. Even yeah, but, just a big man that he'd be playing alongside of. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would I, love to see – I would love to see Wancho. He's a guy that I think the Nuggets need to invest in this year because I think he's really good. He's another guy. When you play with Jokic, there's a couple things you have to do well on the offensive end. You have to shoot, you have to cut, and you have to stay in your lane. You just have to not take shots when they're not yeah. open because Jokic will get an open shot at some point in the shot clock. Wancho's perfect at that. He only shoots open shots. He's a good passer. And he's a great cutter. Um, I'd love to see him play, but the problem is I'm not sure he can defend small forwards. Uh, he can't defend big power, like strong power forwards, but he, but he can, but I, I know he can't guard like LeBron James's of the world and, and, and Carmelo Anthony's no one can, but he especially can't. So I, but I think the Nuggets need to invest and find minutes for him with Trey Lyles. I do think there'll be a situation. There are a lot of situations where the Nuggets have to pick between the two and that'll be where they're tough. It's interesting. Just thinking out loud here, guys, the, uh, the Hernan Gomez brothers, Really high up in the brother rankings in the NBA now. Maybe only behind the Currys, but only because Steph's so good. Uh, the Morai. Yeah, Gasals. But, the, but Powell very, very quickly dropping off the face of the earth here. The Mark, Morai. Still, yeah. The Morai. Morai? Marcus Morris. Oh, the Morai. <laughs> yes. What do you? Yes, the Morai. The, yes, they're quite good. Is that the, the technical term for them? It might be. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you're least. I was like, Daryl Morey doesn't have a brother. All right. He also um, doesn't play. That's <laughs> an NBA what rankings, are you man. About? <laughs> Jeez, it man. just sounded like you were saying Morai. Okay, okay, okay. Um, all right. So that was the Plumley update. Uh, I guess the bigger question here is, and this is a larger basketball question, uh, we mentioned they didn't play much defense. They played tremendous offense. Will they be playing more defense this year? Do you see them uh, catering to a different side of the basketball uh, spectrum this year, Adam? I mean, you have to think they will. I, I don't. The, the question is to what degree. I, they just can't get worse. And I think there's a couple things at play here. One is they didn't have very good defensive players on the roster last year. They still that that has not been resolved, but a, they added one in Millsap that is certainly an upgrade. Jokic, Harris, Murray all improve. You have to assume they improve just by virtue of experience and age. Um, to what degree we don't know, but I think the other part was you know Jokic, as much as he was the 
one of the main pieces of the team last year. He wasn't the piece of the team until December. And I think that he just, in a lot of ways, obviously he stepped up to the plate, but in some ways he wasn't ready for it mentally and I, and physically. And that's why he got in foul trouble so often. That's why he only played, I think, 28 minutes per game last season. I think a lot of it was saving himself on the defensive end because he was in a role that he wasn't. He didn't come into camp prepared for. So I think Jokic will have a, a, a big leap forward this year defensively. That's pro- maybe my hottest take. Hmm. I've said I've actually thought this. As I said, I've, I'm very high on Jokic more so than almost every person out there. I think. I've always said I think he's a good defender, a really good defender, actually. Not hmm. not Rudy Gobert, not you know, not one of these guys that just can step on a court. I think Embiid can be this guy that just steps on a court and everyone's afraid. But I think he's this incredibly smart positional defender with quick hands. He's an incredible defensive rebounder, one of the best in the NBA, which is you know a big part of of getting stops. And the Nuggets' defense improved both years. It, it improved pretty significantly when he was on the court. So I think. Um, and on top of that, just watching this is really just the eye test. I think he's a good defender, but he wasn't in condition to do it this year. I think people will start to realize um, that he's not. I, I think he gets compared to guys like Vucevic or, or some of these like complete sieves, yep. and he's not that. He's just not. He's just not a super athlete. Well, you hope he's Marcus Saul, basically. You know, somebody who's not in great shape who kind of wills his way into being a really good defender with intelligence. Uh, if he's right. cut up and like if all the problems were fatigue, which is possible, then yeah, sure he could be good. He was not good a lot of the time though because just off balance, he had no, he's just too slow, uh, poor positioning. You know, if it being in better shape is going to help a lot, um, but if he's already sort of at 28 minutes, kind of reaching around, I think he's got a ways to go body wise. You know, so you can. You can. I'm sure he's going to be better, and Millsap is terrific, and that's that's another reason why I think they they worked out. It worked out well there is that Millsap is so much better defensively than Love. They also uh, maybe not having Gallo and playing more of Chandler if he can stay healthy. They may have better wing defense, although still probably not great wing defense. Uh, and then obviously at the point of the attack, they're going to have problems. So, but they were like thir- they were near the bottom of the league. Like realistically, like can they get to twentieth, fifteenth? Like how high are we talking? Somebody told brought this to my attention. It was like the two thousand seven or two thousand nine Phoenix Suns were number one on offense and number eighteen on defense, and they won sixty games. So it's, you know, a ridiculous amount of games. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't see the Nuggets doing that, and I do think they're going to be a top three offense. So I guess that means they'll probably be somewhere in like the twenty two, twenty three range defensively. Top which three be, offense? Well, let's see. They got Golden the, the, State and Houston and Cleveland. So you think they're going to beat out one of those teams? I think they'll beat out Cleveland. Um, okay. you, you have. The thing about their offense last year was it was so consistent for four months. You kept expecting some kind of like, oh, the shooting will go down or this or that. But it was just for four straight months, every single game, they scored 110 plus points. And they did it with very, very. They had a game with 140 points and six fast break points. I mean, think about that. That's <laughs> just amazing. going down in the half court and scoring every time. But that's I just think that's what they do. They're so much fun to watch. And I, I really don't think we've appreciated Jokic enough on this podcast. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we didn't touch on Denver that much last season, but I think we've been pretty. Positive. Oh, no, no. I, yeah. I'm not saying that we don't like him. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like how. So a few people have asked this question, and mm-hmm. I think, Ben, I'm curious what you think. Sure. And, of course, Adam, I know you're going to have a much higher opinion. You're you're in charge of, like, NBA rank. Like, what what is his rank? Mm-hmm. Like, how good is he? Is he? Can he be an all-NBA player this year? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a 
as in like, like he, one of the three best, one of the three best centers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, he he absolutely could be one of the three best centers in the league. It depends on what you're valuing, right? Like, it's there's an argument to be made on either side about the value of Gobert versus the value of Jokic, and you have to have completely different arguments to in order to argue for one of the two sides there. But ultimately, Gobert was a All NBA player last year. Mm-hmm. And and you could argue that Jokic, in a completely different way, had just as much of an effect on the game. But again, it's it's arguing offense and defense. And Mike and I argue about this all the time. You know, how much emphasis do you put on each? Well. Sure, you know, minutes played, success just, of the team, all those things matter. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, like, look, as Adam was saying, look, there are things to be said about Jokic's defensive game where there is a little bit more meat there than it might meet the eye. <laughs> meat than might meets the eye. <laughs> You're the one. I'm the one that's God. supposed to have the screwy phrases. Man, I, I just, we've done too many of these podcasts, and now the, it's just seeped into the brain. You've got a high stakes and messing up, I guess. There you go. Well done. Oh, shit. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the point I'm making there, though, is, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's... Adam, we can see Adam because it's Skype. He's just like slapping uh, his head. See, this is nice when you don't uh, yeah. get to see the reaction of like our guests when I uncork a terrible one. Like yeah, that. exactly. This time exactly. we do. But yeah, he, he could absolutely be there. And I think like the young pedigree now, the the new centers you mentioned, Joel Embiid. Um, he's another guy who needs to stay healthy. But there are guys now who are going to be affecting the game considerably on both sides. But specifically with the skill set of a guard playing center, I mentioned Chris Webber a little earlier. You know, just as that side comment, but. You know, people, if you think back to what Weber did as really running the point from, you know, the, call it foul line, if not between the free, uh, free throw line and the three-point line for Sacramento, um, that was one of the most incredible offenses on one of the most fun teams to watch, and that was just a big man facilitating. And Chris Weber wasn't athletic. Chris Weber, no. Chris Weber didn't play defense. You know, there's a lot of similarities to be made in, in just like what you're looking for and yeah. what deems success. But ultimately, if Denver's better this year, if they are pushing for that seven eight seed, which we'll get to that later, I'm sure you expect something. I would in say that. maybe even higher. Right, I'm saying that's at a low end. Expectations being this is a, a playoff team then you're going to start getting a lot more hype for Jokic. Then you're going to start getting a lot more that, well, the team's good and he's the best player on it, which was ultimately part of the argument uh, for Gobert. Um, but I, I, one of the things I, I kind of, I guess, that I wonder here, though, is the physical body this guy has. Um, have yeah. you been able to see him this summer? This is a question I had here. Have you seen him in person right. at all, Adam? Can you, can you comment on the way that he's maturing as a physical human being? Muscle Watch 2017. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> no, you know, I haven't... Uh, the funny thing about Jokic, I have not seen him in person. Okay, he went back to Serbia and spent the entire summer there. And the thing that's so <laughs> one of the things that's so interesting about this dude is he's he's an anti-star. Yeah. He has social media accounts. He never uses them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like he avoids actively avoids the spotlight. And so it's funny. There were these photos that came out and we posted them on stiffs. Um, Steve Hess, the, the Nuggets strength and conditioning coach, went out there for two weeks and took a bunch because he always takes photos. The photo of Jokic working out. He's working out with two 70 year old men wearing tidy whities <laughs> like, in, in a field in a field in Serbia with oh. like giant t- like just basically doing CrossFit out in a giant field in Serbia. It was. <laughs> exactly what I picture his summer to have looked like. That's and awesome. So, and, and so I now is that we effective? Seen, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was very, 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 very concerned that Jokic was going to come back overweight because he gained weight during the season last year. I think he was mentally and physically exhausted by the end of the year. He he talked about this publicly, mm-hmm. and and so I just thought, okay, this might be a tough summer for him because he just needed a break. But he he is back in Denver as of about a week ago, and other players have posted video and stuff of him on their social accounts, and he looks great. I mean, he looks skinnier than he did at any point last year. Um, he's never going to be um, 
you know, Myers Leonard, you know, ripped or right, anything like right. that, GI Joe style. But he's but he looked very thin and very active. There's a video that the Nuggets put up of him, you know, giving this nice like double behind the back crossover pull up. I mean, he just looked he looks like he has has improved. So what yeah. that's worth, not much, but at least he didn't look overweight. Yeah, because that, that's part <laughs> of the <laughs> that was part of like the Marcus Gasol comp that I liked is that. You know, Yasal had an interesting body build that I don't think anyone thought was going to end up trimming down to the type of player or the type of body build that he is now. Uh, and ultimately, that led to the most successful years of his career. And, and being able to be, you know, in shape to play 35 and be strong in that 35th minute, being able to have a really strong core so that you can become a better offensive rebounder for positional purposes, things like that, you know, that's where Jokic as a young, doughy 21-year-old turning 22-year-old you know, those are there are leaps and bounds to be made there with a skill set that's already so high. And I think I think that as physical attributes and athleticism are incredibly important in basketball, but I think they probably are overrated. And in my, in in the Undoing Project, Daryl Morey talks about this really good mm-hmm. book by Michael Lewis. Mm-hmm. Daryl Morey book. talks about how they had Marcus Gasol ranked like the fifth best prospect in in whatever draft that was, but all of the scouts had nicknamed him Man Boobs because he just was so unathletic. They're like, it doesn't yeah. matter how skilled he is; he'll never be a player because he's unathletic. And he said, you know what? Now from now on, we're not we're not we're we're not going to value these things. You know, we're going to try to value everything in a vacuum. And if this yeah. guy, is super he also skilled, said, no more nicknames, skilled. right? That was like this whole no thing. more nickname. Yeah. yeah. So that was the point of that yeah. specific part. But I but it just reminds me of. I think we always overvalue, oh, man, this guy's so athletic if he can just learn how to be a basketball player. But that's that's probably harder than a basketball player learning how to be athletic. I couldn't agree more. At least yeah. moderately. I think it depends on the position. But, you know, it's it, the thing it's like I just the, It's like Giannis versus Marcus basically. Like, do, yeah. you, do you want I think this? it depends. I mean, I, I'd rather have Giannis. But, I mean, I think it's sort of a, a <laughs> I, tricky I mean, one. just like in principle. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, right. I think it depends on the position and the, the style of play. I mean, the... The thing I just love about Jokic is that like he's one of those I think he's still sort of a secret star. Like I was talking to our producer earlier who's trying to get back in the NBA and he was asking me like should I watch the nut should I watch this team? I said, Oh yeah, you should watch this team. Yeah. Because Jokic is so much fun and like I think you're in an interesting position to be able to offer like sort of the user guide to like what is it like to watch this dude and <laughs> For however good you think he is, it's just so much fun. Um, yeah, here's another reason to watch uh, the Nuggets on League Pass. It's not West Coast. It's a little bit earlier, and that's important for us East it's, Coast people. Yeah, it's true. It is. <laughs> that's very true. Um, I guess we'll take a quick break, yeah. and then we'll come right back with some more historical stuff. Cool. This is Limited Upside Podcast. If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive, the gel is expensive, you have to kind of switch them out a lot, and you cut yourself while shaving, you've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter, it feels really smooth coming off your skin. 
it actually makes the act of shaving fun. And I love that. And it's also a great deal. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. They send it to you in the mail. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave. You don't have to do any of that. It comes right to your door. It's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice. And it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin. It almost doesn't look like shaving cream. It's nice and clear, and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream. And you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized. It's a terrific deal. You get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the Dollar Shave Club. And now, lucky you, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 a month with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month and you can quit at any time if you don't like it. That's a $15 value for only five bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of pork cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just five bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offer exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave. We're back, Limited Upside Podcast, uh, Denver Nuggets preview, Adam Mars uh, from Denver Stiffs and the Locked On Nuggets podcast. We're so excited about this year's team, but uh, the other thing that's happening this year, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is the 50-year anniversary of the franchise, right? Um, no, maybe not. Uh, whatever. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, no, you're correct. That is right. It is the a 50-year 50 franchise. Anniversary, yeah. You gave me this look that was like, uh, no, it's not, but actually it is. So... <laughs> I know, obviously, they had great moments in the ABA, um, but one thing I've always been curious about, there are a couple of sort of historical hypotheticals I've been wondering, but, like, what do you think was the best Nuggets team of all time? <laughs> you know, I, I, there's not that many to pick from. No, I, I know. That's why. 2017-18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to go with 2009, I think. there. You know, they had another, uh, I think, 86 team that went to the, the conference finals. But the 09 the team, I think, was not just in the conference finals, but had a real shot at winning it. Whether They were underdogs, but they weren't such heavy underdogs that you think, no, nah, they weren't going to do it. And if they beat the Lakers in that season, I think they would have had a great chance. It would have been a 50-50 type series against Orlando so I think you have to go with that team um they they had a lot of star power to, to Chauncey Billups uh you know Carmelo Anthony obviously um they had a good team so I think I think it was that one no doubt about it I want to keep playing on this theme now give me your all-time Denver Nuggets starting five on oh, the 50th anniversary <sighs> Of course, there's I'll no t- way to make people happy with this. So I mean, this is one of those ones that gets everybody upset. I think Good. you have to Piss go with Alex off. English. Piss people off. Uh, Alex English, yeah, yeah. Um, I would, you know, I would probably go with Carmelo. So, and that means David Thompson's not on the team, which is kind of absurd. <laughs> Can't you play like a, Carmelo's like a stretch four and then play three wings? I, yeah. We'll yeah, allow that. We'll I suppose allow that. you could. Okay, I suppose you could, and then you know, Fat Lever or Chauncey at the point. 
And then uh, as your center, the, the Nuggets, actually, the center position is, is the one that's kind of tough because they've had Issel, Matumbo, now Jokic. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're making my team, I'm going to go with both Chauncey and Jokic. But obviously, <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're going on greatness, you probably have to go with Issel and Fat Lever. All right, tougher question. Who's the all-time Nuggets coach? Oh, it's Doug Moe. The Denver <laughs> Stiffs comes from Doug Moe. I mean, yep, this is, right. a, this is yeah. an easy one. Yeah. No, that, that is neat. I actually had a, uh, one of my good friends from college. Uh, actually, you, do you know Big Bill Fickey? Does that no. name ring a bell? He was an no, assistant coach uh, in the 80s. Bill, Bill Fickey. Like, no, no. What are you doing? Bill Fickey was one of the assistant <laughs> coaches for Doug Moe in the 80s. Uh, and his son, Dan, is one of my, my good friends, uh, one of the coaches at University of Denver now, uh, to give you some full circle oh, nice. Denver basketball. See, it was topical, Mike. Come like, on, kind man. of. That was very topical. Yeah, all right. Close fine. enough. Close I think enough. Ben just wanted to show off who we knew. No, I, we brought up Doug Moe. I had a, had a, you know, a loose. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know the head coach is at Denver University, don't you? It's uh, it's um, what's his name? Uh, with a B. Um, he was at Rodney uh, Phillips. It's Chauncey's little brother. Yes, yes. What's what's his name? Rodney <laughs> Phillips is the head coach there. Rodney Phillips, the head coach. No, no kidding. Hmm. Well, he's got a, a job right now, and, and Chauncey is uh still looking for the best option available. Yeah, well, he has the luxury of having a nice little cushy ESPN job. Yeah, it's not so bad. Until right? he finds it. Um, yeah. Going back to the 09 team, I've thought about this one a lot because I think it was sort of a there's a major butterfly effect that happened yep. from this one play. Uh, not to bring up bad memories, but if Anthony Carter does not throw the ball to di- directly to Trevor Ariza in Game Five of that series, and they win somehow come back home with a chance to clinch and then go to the finals. What happens to Carmelo Anthony's Nuggets career? I think it plays out the exact same way it you did. You think so? I, Even I if think, they win the title? Yeah. yeah. In fact, I mean, I think it's all the more reason yeah. for him to move on, quite frankly. Um, so I don't think it changes Carmelo Anthony at all. Here's the thing. I never thought the Nuggets were going to win that series. And I thought they were just as good as the Lakers. It's just, it's, it, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. It's just these things don't happen. Like Kobe Bryant <laughs> was going to win a championship that year, and we just kind of all knew it. And so it was just, how are the Nuggets going to lose? Oh, of course it's going to be a failed inbound play in the last four seconds. That, that's how we'll do it. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Yeah, I kind of uh, always had that feeling with teams that were playing the Lakers as well, including Orlando in that <laughs> next series. Um, they uh, never had a chance either. I still hold out hope. That's what I do. Um, oh, but you really don't think he would have. You really don't think that like the sweet allure of winning a championship or like going further would have swayed him to stay. You're looking at this through 2017 eyes, and I think at the time, you know, there was. I think because I really do think that like organizational stability and the chance to win has become more valued by players because I think they realize just how hard it is. Maybe even more so than back then. I think when Carmelo left, there was this feeling of like, okay he'll be able to draw players to New York and they're going to assemble this superstar team before too long. And that never happened in large part because of what the New York Knicks are. But I think players, but looking back at that time, I felt that way. I'm sure he felt that way of like, you know what? I've done my time in Denver. It's been good, but I'm going to go somewhere that has some power to draw players. It didn't work out for him, unfortunately. All right. I have a, I I don't want to get too serious here, but I got to get a little, I have a a good question to ask because we have, you know, a resident Denver person. You've been here. You've been Denver your whole life, uh, or, or most of it, more or less, more or less, or mo- okay. most of it, yeah. most of it, right? And so you've been a Denver Nuggets fan for a long time. Uh, without getting political or too political here, but Mahmoud Abdurrahouf is a name that I remember vividly yeah. from my childhood, uh, before when he was Chris Jackson and into into his uh, you know life transformation into Mahmoud Abdurrahouf. And I 
was a big fan of his. I, I, this is a guy who I grew up wanting to play basketball like as a point guard, as a, someone who took lots of free throws. I'm sure growing up, Adam, you played basketball as well. You said you, uh, you know, mid-major there or small college. And the idea that this guy was one of the best and premier guards in the NBA who we have almost never heard from again because of obviously circumstances pertaining to national anthem and his religion, et cetera. Um, what is the Nuggets organization – relationship with him these days and ultimately because you've kind of seen this play out and now it's sort of showing itself again with with Kaepernick's situation a player being you know for all intents and purposes blacklisted from a league that he deserves to be in anything you can give me on on kind of that from from your perspective having kind of already seen it play out in in a basketball realm well, I think with Mahmoud, you know, there were some things that Denver specifically did, especially Denver media. Mm-hmm. There was a radio station in town that went to a mosque and, and I can't remember what all they did. It's something like they, they blasted music to like disrupt the mosque or whatever. Like there was, You think back to the time and you just think, man, that's crazy, almost as an embarrassment to the city. Yeah. But with regards to Mahmoud, it was really the league as a whole because not only did he, you know, leave Denver, but he left the NBA. Yeah. Nobody would take mm-hmm. him on. I don't think that th- would happen. I mean, I'm almost certain that wouldn't happen now and that I think as negative as it was back in 98 and now 2018, I think it's a much more positive. I think you can say that the league has evolved where some leagues certainly have not evolved. Yeah. Um, so it's a positive. But the more interesting point that, I, that wasn't your intention, but I think yeah. you kind of you kind of touched on it was the Nuggets have failed to to uh, reach out to their to, to their past not just Mahmoud, but everyone. Alex English came back to the arena for the first time in 20 years last year because they retired Matumbo's jersey and he gave a press conference. And I'm sure the Nuggets weren't looking for this comment in his press conference, but he said, he said, I, you know, I feel like I have no relation to the team. They hadn't reached out for 20 years. They finally did. And I'm glad, but they've never reached out to me to be any part of the franchise, not as a front office. He was, I don't think he wants that, yeah. but just as somebody that's like, hey, you know, we respect you and you, you're welcome anytime. Sure. And I think the Nuggets... This is the 50th year. He did a very interesting radio show a couple weeks back where he said they finally are starting to reach out. And he said he's talked to Fat Lever and all these other guys that really want to be a part of what's going on with the team. Not necessarily in front office, but just as as reach out. So I think the Nuggets have hopefully learned from that and and will start to incorporate their past. Because even though it's not a successful past, there's still a lot of beloved players like Mahmoud, like Alex English and and these guys. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And also it's important to connect a whole new set. We you're talking about off break about how much Denver has changed as a city. Yeah. And then of course yeah. you have the one player, the Jokic that sort of you would hope would kind of rise them up and bring more activation. God, I used that word in the last podcast and I got to stop using activation? it. Activation? <laughs> because it's too buzzwordy. <laughs> oh, okay. Like the activating the fan base. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but you need to have something that sort of connects that that connective tissue through sure. with the past. And I think it can serve as a way to educate um, some of these new people in Denver as to like, what are they joining on to? Yeah. Um, and you t- we talked about attendance as being an issue. And so I do remember the same thing happening with the wizards uh, when Ted Leonsis took over, this was one of his big pushes is that they just didn't. And that's a franchise that has way less history, <laughs> good history than the, uh, if you count, you know, past the seventies than the, uh, the nuggets do. So, but it was important, I think, to have those people around. It's yeah. sort of, I think they're trying to build like sort of this connective identity through that you can now kind of play through with the players they have, John Wall, Bradley Beal, all those guys. And I yeah. think Denver's got to figure out a way to do the same with Jokic. Cause he's a special, you no, know, however good you think he is, he is a special player 
a unique player and sort of the kind of guy that like you know again you, you show his highlights to somebody who doesn't follow the NBA and they like are all they they can't believe that this dude does what he does right. you know top so, five highlight package in the NBA I think yeah. absolutely yeah. and that's the kind of player that can get more people invested you know more casual fans invested in a team but you have to have the whole thing that threads through like a past a present and a future. Yep, and I yeah. don't know if they have all those threaded the way that they should. Yeah, there there are certain franchises that do a much better job of connecting the dots of, of their franchise. The Sixers are one of them. Like they're very close with Dr. J, and, and they they had kept Moses you know in the loop for a long time. Now, they, in fairness, they have a lot more. Past yeah, they're an older thread, team with a, a lot of history. There's no doubt about it. But there are, there are younger teams that, that still like. I mean, look, uh, Yao Ming is like part of the fabric of the Rockets organization. He's more or less a contemporary still. He, you know, he basically mm-hmm. just got out of the league. But the idea is, and know, that's the relationship. I think Alex English is looking for yep. more of like an ambassador of the team of sorts, yes. and, and and that would be important. Which is just good for spreading the brand globally and, and being or, or or domestically, but ultimately just being a, an locally. I think most yeah, important. Or, or locally, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and that goes to the whole you know, look, Denver's a city that's adding thousands and thousands of people you know each month. It's a it's a hot place to live and move to from the West Coast and the East Coast, and ultimately you know the success of the team will be. Um, will directly go in line with the success of, of the people in the seats. And, you know, this is not a, again, this, we don't have to touch on everything we talked about off break, but like there are certain communities and, and teams like OKC or even Cleveland where like, that's the show in town. If you're from the Northeast Ohio area, or if you're from, you know, South central Oklahoma, like that's the show, that's the team, that's your professional organization. There are not multiple other big sports teams. I don't even think Cleveland has a football team. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, was that like an all elaborate yeah. setup? For no, that no, one no. I think, I think it was. I think I just I think pissed off was. like eight people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, no more. Cleveland jokes, but the point is, like, you don't have to necessarily build something for people to come there. You are the the show in town, and and with Denver, like, there's a lot going on. Like, you could go what drive a mile and go hike a beautiful mountain range. Like, you can um, the or nuggets, the winter ski snowboard, yes. which is I think a big yes. a big draw. In the winter. Yes, in the winter, and then ultimately, like we mentioned before, you have a, a very popular football team uh, in, in the Broncos. So there's a lot of you know, if you're doing like a SWOT analysis, there's a lot of things that could go in the face and, and be competition. <laughs> Did you just use the phrase SWOT analysis? Like- a business thing. I like, know, I know. I'm, I'm a business just la- person. I'm laughing yeah, at this. How many people do you think know what a SWOT analysis is that are listening? Oh, we've got a smart listenership. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Do you know what a SWOT analysis is? No. It's just strengths, <laughs> weaknesses, oppositions, and threat. The idea yeah, is like, It was in Silicon Valley, wasn't it? I mean, I had it in grad you know, my, my grad school program. But, it, was um, definitely, it was definitely in a Silicon Valley episode. Right. That's how I know about it, at least. Well, then a lot more people <laughs> know about it than I thought. Yeah, um, I guess that's true. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I think we've discovered yes. the solution then. We just have to yeah. have the Nuggets play in snow. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, we'll get more people there. <laughs> um, also want to point out the Nuggets are the only team in the league whose nickname is applicable for multiple reasons. Congrats to Denver on being a liberal city and also having a part of the gold rush. So good for them on the Nuggets. This is the extent um, of which Ben prepared for this podcast. No, I prepared a lot. This, <laughs> it just hit me when I was there in town and there's like no shortage of a yeah. billion t-shirts you could buy that are okay. like plays on that, but okay. didn't buy any more. Yeah, you actually did just come back from here. Yeah, right, should we get to the banana right, boat let's, question let's get to, Yeah, I know, right? Everyone listening is like, just get to the banana boat. All right, Adam, who's your all-time Denver Nuggets banana boat? We had to just a little preface here. Again, thanks. Dan Rubenstein gave us this idea. Second part of this is this is not just this year's team, and it's not your best players. This is the guys you want to be on the boat with. You get three of them, and you're the fourth. Who are your banana boat team? 
This is so easy. Well, see, if you're asking me if like for basketball purposes, which is how I took it, but now I'm starting to wonder if this is more like, like just who would be fun to write yeah, a banana that's, boat with. That's right. That's the idea. Okay. Who, yeah. who would you want to like vacation with? <laughs> oh, oh man, now that's a lot. That's so much of a harder question. Uh, it's got to be Dikembe. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be Jokic. But this is a this is like the boat is getting smaller now. Like we're kind of huddled together because I have two seven footers. <laughs> let's let's assume <laughs> that you can find a special boat that gives you enough room, yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about space. <laughs> space. Um, man, this is a, the third one is going to be really tough. I mean, I got I got Andre Miller is up there, but I don't know how fun he would be on a banana. But I think he would yell at me a lot, and then. <laughs> You know, like Wilson Chandler, I find to be one of the most interesting people on earth, but I think he'd be pretty quiet. <laughs> like, right. But that <laughs> like might not, not be so bad scene. if, if Dikembe – see, I've talked about this on other shows. Like you need to have like good chemistry between the three. You can't have three people that talk a lot. Yeah. You need someone to sell That's the jokes true. and relax. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't know if Wilson would like laugh at the jokes. I yeah, just think it's true. Straight <laughs> um, man, this last one is tougher than I thought. Um, Ty Lawson? No way, no chance. <laughs> you can bring the booze. Uh, you know, you know. I thought Nene was pretty great. Now I got I got three enormous humans, so I think I'm gonna throw Nene on <laughs> the there. Because always, always the most interesting ones. They're right? all, yeah, they're always the foreign big guys. They're funny. I would have said Nick Van Exel. <laughs> you literally would be barely able to have a conversation with your boat. It'd be Portuguese <laughs> and Serbian. And <laughs> That's right. It's a good point. <laughs> I was thinking to myself that Chauncey'd be a good one. He's smart. He's a cool. He seems like a cool guy. He definitely is more of a contemporary age-wise too. So we'd have some things in, in, in you know. Chauncey was a popular Detroit pick. Was it? Yeah. 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 People in Detroit boat. do love. They cling to Chauncey. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you could put Chauncey, Iverson on yours. He's easy pick, quite frankly. He's yeah. the easy pick. Love Andre Miller, by <laughs> the way. Um, big fan of his. A few times when I you know was able to to, to meet him. Uh, Ed Hacks, great guy. Always just would hang out in his sweatpants Look and barely, you barely played again. basketball. <laughs> he would literally just come and watch and hang out with his son. And it was like, okay. Andre's well. the best, man. He's yeah. underrated yeah. historically. He was so incredible. Was he like third or fourth all-time in assists now? He's way high up there. Mm-hmm. Like way George high George Carl up. called him a top 10 point guard of all time. And man. You know, I don't think he's too far off. And he's also... I like it. He, he, he wasted too much time with teams like the Nuggets. And, and Sixers. Get, uh, yeah, <laughs> and no, Clippers. Right? And Clippers, yeah, we could go down the list. And those, but, remember those early Cavs yes. teams he was on that Ugh. just sucked the life out of the league? But he's, he's one of my favorite players ever because he came into the league a 40-year-old body and matured <laughs> yeah. into a 40-year-old body. So I always appreciated that about him. Like, to be that unathletic but that good at basketball is unbelievable. Andre Miller's best moment of his career was when he went the full length to tackle Blake Griffin, got like a three-game suspension, and then said that was proof the league's gotten soft. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think I do remember that. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that's worth putting on the boat. I mean, Kenyon Martin would be a wild card. Yeah. He okay. would. Okay. He's a little high stroke. <laughs> a little bit. I think I might throw Nene off and put J.R. Smith on. There. Oh, that right, of course. Yes, J.R. Smith, obviously. I, I'm pretty sure J.R. is about to make every single banana boat for all the teams he's played on now. He is. He made the New Orleans one. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely going to – wait, he definitely – did he make the Knicks one? Somebody had him on there, yeah. Yeah, someone so, had too. him on the Knicks one, and then we just need – when we get to Cleveland, I'm yeah. sure we're going to have him on the Cleveland yeah. one. But uh, uh, the four- I'm going to stick with Nene. I like the foreigners. Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to stick there. J.R. Smith is close, though. Nice. Okay. All right, let's get you uh, we'll get you out of here shortly, but let's get the predictions uh, on the season. Give us your uh, predictive uh, win totals, and then talk me through what would be the worst-case scenario that you've played out in your head for the season, as well as the best. So I'll just with my prediction, I'll go with um, – I'm, I'm a little high on them. I'm going to go 48 wins, which is an eight-game improvement. That's quite a bit. What seed, um, that, what seed and, do you think that will place them around? 
and I think that's probably a seven seed or, or maybe a six seed. Okay. You know, it'll be right there. Um, and what was the other part of this question? Yeah, like, so what's like, the best and worst case yeah, scenarios like, you could see? As you go to bed at night imagining this season, well, what's the uh, worst case and the best case? Other than Jokic getting injured yes, for the yeah, season yeah, or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realistic worst case scenario is that they don't improve on defense. Um, Gallinari is obviously a big loss. He's like a really good glue guy um, and, uh, you know, super efficient. They were better with him on the court by a lot. So worst case scenario is they take a step back and win 37 games, 36 games. And, you know, which I think is possible. They still don't have answers at the point guard spot. Wilson Chandler, I know you say don't don't count injuries, but he's a guy that I think we can just because so much of his career has been injured. So, um, you know, there are there are there are ways, very realistic ways that the the season could be a big disappointment. I just don't think it'll happen. Most You've been so positive. I didn't, I didn't want to ask you that question because this has been like the most optimistic <laughs> podcast we've had uh, of the team previous. Yeah. So okay. now they'll yeah, take us to the pinnacle. I'm aware of and feel feel bad about, but yeah, <laughs> get optimistic again. You know players like Jokic who are 22 years old maybe he has another leap in him I don't think he can be more efficient than he than he was but if he can play 35 minutes a game yeah the way he played 28 minutes a game the Nuggets are going to be a 50 win team 51 win team and uh, as I said I think he's a defense I think he's a much better defensive player than people realize if he um you know is in shape and challenged to be a good defensive player which I think he'll be challenged more part of the reason last year is I don't think he was challenged but um uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were a five seed or six seed uh, with this roster. So I think that's kind of their ceiling. There's four teams, Oklahoma City, Houston, San Antonio and, and Golden State. That I just don't think will fall below four. So I think five is the max. I don't see it, but it, it's probably their max. And if you could sneak into that four or five and maybe it's Oklahoma City and, and not one of the other three teams, who I think will be a little bit. More Ooh. difficult. Ooh, bold take on my part. I think Oklahoma City belongs in that top four tier. Oh no, they're in the top four. No, tier. I mean like yeah, I yeah. think that. Oh, in terms of just like no one's beating them. The first no, I, I think yeah. I, I don't think that they're well. On paper, I think they're they could be the two seed, but that's okay. just me. Um, we'll get into that. Yeah, that's another that's time. another podcast <laughs> or another time. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, if you want, if 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 you want their other really my other really hot take, and I've been throwing this out there just for fun. Yes, please. Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens with this. Nothing's going to happen with this Lakers thing. But if for whatever reason the Paul George to the Lakers thing can't can't happen, there's a good chance that this Oklahoma City team dissolves next year and Paul George has nowhere else to go. Is there a better? I mean, there's only two or three better fits. There's only one spot on the Nuggets roster that's up for grabs long term, and that's small forward. So, uh, a player of his caliber, oh, the man. Nuggets have a very promising season. I just think there's a lot of small forwards available next year, and. If Denver can somehow be a five seed that's on the rise, would 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 players of that caliber at least look at Denver? That yeah. will be the real test. I think it's because... going to take more than one fun year. I think that's sort of like a four or five year project. And then when Jokic uh, is 24, 25, then it's like, oh, I want to play with this dude. And now I sign that up. I feel like that's a large, longer project. But we will it's see. A longer play. Right. I like yeah. it. I like it. I think that there's a decent chance Denver is the fifth best team in the West. Yeah. I mean, but the only thing is they'd have to get – so let's say they had the third best offense. I feel like they'd have to get up past 20 on defense to be able to get to that level. But I think it's possible. You know, Millsap had a rough year injury-wise. I think his um, his offensive game really declined in a way that people didn't want to admit. But he's still just so terrific at some of the other little things. And he's now on a team where he kind of doesn't have to necessarily be – that dude, you know, they they mm-hmm. they don't have like that. Jokic even isn't really like that guy. But I mean, 
Millsap's going to be able to play his game so much more effectively, and I think that's a really big addition that you'll see in a lot of ways. He went from Horford to Dwight Howard as his front court mate, and I think that's a huge, huge, huge difference. And if you look at Jokic, in my opinion, is like a super Horford on on offense. I mean, he's like Horford with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Right, and right. that's why I think I, I think Paul Millsap will look much more like he did two, three years ago than he did last year. That's yeah, a, we'll see. Time. I mean, I think age wise, he's getting up there, and I don't know how healthy his knees are. Um, Which only speaks to how good that deal is, though, too. It's yeah, I mean, it's a great sweet. deal. Yeah. I mean, they, no brainer deal to get him at that price. But I think he's going to really help them. And so I, I think that I'm not sure I'm all the way on picking them to be the fifth best team in the West, I, but. You know, it's basically what them, Minnesota, Utah, um, maybe Portland. Maybe Portland, yeah. Uh, I think there, there's one team I'm definitely forgetting about. Clippers. Yeah, I Clippers don't are another one that's always yeah. in there. I don't think the Clippers are going to be that good this that, year. That's basically it. It's not going to be Dallas, who was you know in the back end last year. There's Utah, definitely, there's Utah, definitely probably not Utah. You forgot Utah. There's definitely another team I forgot. Um, Memphis, Memphis, I guess. Yep, but yep. no, I think Denver could very easily be the five seed. Well, let's just say that I, I like the upside. Of Denver more than any of those teams that we just mentioned for that fifth seed. Yeah, I mean, I guess Minnesota, I guess, sure has okay. more talent, but I don't right. know if it'll fit together. I mean, yeah. I would say that most likely probably the sixth seed and 48 wins like Adam said, but I think it's quite possible they go even higher than and if, that. If that's the case, there's no chance they're 30th in attendance next year. Well, Show we'll up, people. Go watch your Nuggets. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, league pass darling Denver yeah. Nuggets. Oh, people really should watch that team play and watch Jokic play because <laughs> he is something else. Yep. Agreed. All right, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Adam Morris, thanks again for, for joining us, man. This is an annual tradition now, and, and it's only getting more and more optimistic as we go. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's always fun. I can't believe the season's almost here. I'm excited. Yes, same, same. As, uh, as, as are Mike and I, and, uh, and that's why we do these previews, to get excited for each individual team in the league as a whole. So this was great. Again, this is uh, Adam Mares. He's, uh, he's the man over at Denver Stiffs, and we always appreciate him coming on here and, and dropping this knowledge, being the guy on the ground in Denver. So thanks again, buddy. Um, I'm Ben Epstein. That's Mike Prado. We got, uh, I think, the Bulls coming up. As Miami well is as, next. Okay, Miami. And then and we're then done Chicago. with the lottery. Yeah, and then Chicago, who was the uh, the the worst team that made the playoffs, and, and ultimately will be the worst team in the NBA this next year. And week. we got Indiana uh, as yeah. well, Portland coming up, <laughs> yep. and then a team you're very excited about, Milwaukee. Yes, yes, My, that's that's Mike's darling, actually. But yes, we no, both. No, it's definitely you. You were the one that yeah, whatever. Uh, fine, yeah. we're not going to argue. And we're, we're saving 40 minutes of that podcast just on Malcolm Brogdon, where I talk about how good of a <laughs> how good of a person he is and oh how undeserving God. he was. Yeah, for Adam, have you have you listened to Ben <laughs> bitch about Malcolm Brogdon winning Rookie of the Year? Because he's no. so mad about this. Tune, tune in for the uh, for the Bucks oh, uh, for the Bucks it. pod. But it's uh, ultimately I'm vetoing that entire conversation without going too far off the rails here. Uh, rails here. I do really, really, genuinely like him as a person. <sighs> I think he could this. be one of the best people the NBA has as an ambassador for the sport and uh, as a human. Um, but uh, yeah, whatever. That's the kind of thing you say about like, yeah, you know, yeah. well, she is a really nice person. She's nice. Bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brogdon's really nice, um, and so there's that. But all right, all right Adam, thanks again. Uh, Mike, this is Ben, and uh, this is the Limited Upside Podcast.